1: Welcome to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, this is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And on this stop of the mission, we will spend time with 1964's Black Like Me. A film by a film based on John Howard Griffin's novel of the same or a rather book of the same name nonfiction book of the same name where griffin a white man through the power of science darkened his skin and passed as a black man in the civil rights south civil rights era south but before we get to black like Me.
0: As always, we like to go through all of the feedback we got from each and every one of you, especially in response to our most recent review, which was last week was 1970s Watermelon Man.
1: Watermelon Man. About a white man who turns black. A white man who turns black.
0: Inadvertently.
1: Uh, <laughs> Anthony Sterling. Hey, what's up, Anthony? Anthony what an
0: amazing review
1: thank you
0: I remember seeing this as a kid on TBS as part of an afternoon double feature with Norman Is That You Oh, and it, the vivid image of Godfrey Cambridge's ass is still etched <laughs> in my brain There's, there seems to be no way of removing it The back and forth between Vince and Len about MVP, Melvin Van Peoples, had me laughing hard on the way to work. I definitely feel Len will always fight and defend his molehill of disdain (laughs) for Peoples as a director, while Vince continues to deflect all the poisonous barbs with Matrix-like efficiency. Ooh,
1: that makes me Neo. Yeah, right. That makes you rando agent. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Upgrades. <laughs>
0: oh, you're just you're just loving this,
1: aren't you? Oh, and I'm especially loving That was from Anthony? Yes. I'm going to circle back to Anthony later because Anthony actually just helped me. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Boy.
0: Um, we got an email from Nina Perry Brown. Hey, Nina. Sending love. Oh, thank you. Dearest Len and
1: Vince. Oh, that's nice. I know, isn't it? That's nice. I feel warm. I think she's on the front. (laughs) My dearest Len and Vince, oftentimes in the silence between the volleys of gunfire, I think of the two of you and your mission to bring us thoughts of various Negro films. Here on the front, there are no atheists, and the stars don't seem to shine. But I have the two of you bringing me light here in the ever-present darkness. As you tell me of The Monkey Hustle and various other black films, you are always in my thoughts because you live in my heart. Yours forever, Nina. But what did she say? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's almost as if you were reading it off the page.
1: <laughs> I begin again, uh, dearest Len and Vince. We got a pair like the fiddle playing in the <laughs> background, like it's the Ken Burns documentary. Yeah, where but
0: he reads the letters. I could, I, because I could literally see. Just
1: sitting like the foxhole. She she was sitting on the front writing a letter by candlelight.
0: Dearest Len and Vince, (laughs) since I stumbled upon your podcast, I've been binging episodes out of sequence almost daily, and I cannot contain my praise to 280 characters
1: oh thank you as
0: someone who missed out on most of the contemporary black movies my peers were quoting and referencing your podcast fills in the blanks for stuff I either haven't seen in full or at all or don't remember and has also provided inspiration for stuff to check out for example A Rage in Harlem is a new fave nice bipolar tone be damned <laughs> a few thoughts okay when it comes to Sweet Sweetback's badass song, yes, Vince, you are on the right side of history.
1: There you go.
0: I probably would have been as appalled as Len when I first <laughs> saw it, if not for my mom taking me and a friend to see badass years prior when it came out, Marriott and People's biopic about how the film was made. Oh, yeah. I was a h- high school sophomore at the time, and I don't think we knew what we were in for besides knowing that Sweet Sweetback was the first black exploitation film. But I think the biopic was invaluable to add some dimension to the film as well as make the latter's plot and the decisions that went into it less Cryptic.
2: Mm,
1: There you go. Yeah,
0: there you go. There you go. That's Mario retconning his father's legacy. It's not a retcon. Why do you call it a
1: ret? Like you, like how is it a retcon? I continue. Yes, when everybody has agreed on it. Love watermelon man. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Speaking of Melvin Van Peoples, do you guys think that? Sweet sweetbacks badass song should also get the Criterion Collection treatment. <laughs> and Len, are you physically able uh, to say two nice uh, things about Melvin's directorial uh, skills in this or any of his movies? I am.
1: You 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 am.
0: Because I did in Watermelon Man. You did. As I pointed out. You did. I have to give him credit. For the choices yeah that Godfrey Cambridge yeah, absolutely. and Estelle Parsons make in that movie, acting-wise. Because who am I to say that he didn't help the shape their characterizations? Right,
1: right. And, and the choices that they make in the storyline. And the choices that he makes in the storyline, as well as with the ending right, of the movie. Which we will talk about a lot. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, dare I say, Black Like Me, perhaps makes you appreciate Watermelon Man more. All the more. Very true. Very true. So, I have. But not to lose that thread, all jokes aside, what would you say about a Criterion Collection edition of Sweet Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song? I would say to
0: a Criterion Collection of Sweet Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, who has hit the Criterion Collection upside the head. There
1: is absolutely, in my mind... Just for importance? I mean, just for importance. For importance, it should, if
0: you want to do a commemorative Blu-ray edition where you've got all these scholars talking about the right, film. Right.
1: Well I mean that's that's sort of I think that's sort of the argument for the Criterion Collection edition. Mm. Like you bring in the scholars, you bring in the historians, you bring in, you know, the filmmakers around table with Jordan Peele, Ava DuVernay, Spike Lee, you know these 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 filmmakers, these black filmmakers mm-hmm. that have sort of gone this guerrilla route. Mm-hmm. Robert Townsend maybe
0: mm-hmm. Ernest Dickerson yeah, Ernest... I see what you're saying um I mean no I no look no I I, I can't I, I I just think I really don't okay, I'm gonna press you.
1: What film do you think should have this position in a criterion collection type treatment? To spark those kind of conversations. Which film? Like, which film from this era do you think is a better... From this era. From, from this era is a better choice than Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song? Cotton Comes to Harlem? Studio product based on a novel. Wait
0: a minute. Criterion Collections have plenty no, of no no No, films. no, no,
1: no. I'm talking... No, whoa. I, I mean... Again, I think. Oh, you mean to represent? To represent, right, right. Again, I think that there's something very specific that era about that. black guerrilla filmmaking. Okay, and that and that 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 sort of privileging of the black voice. That because I will say this, Ganja and Hess. Okay, I think I think that's I think that is a great substitute. Okay, for Sweet Sweetback's Badass song, and Ganja and Hess is a better film. Mm-hmm. yes then sweet sweet back Un- unabashedly song. that's a better film I completely agree with you oh you do no 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 I completely like I actually think I mean you know me I think both of them should get collections I think Ganja has Hess actually can spark different conversations mm-hmm. that are just as important but in Lynn's world where you take this off the table right That was just my question. Well, what do you think should replace? And I think Ganjin Hess is a great replacement. Now, for the record, as far as that's why I said the Criterion Collection for the conversations at it sparks, I think quality wise, there are lots of things that have gotten Criterion treatments that I think Sweet Sweetback's badass song should have gotten over them the one that always jumps to my mind which to me is the driving miss daisy oscar jumping of the shark of the criterion collection mm-hmm. What's what's that woman's name that i've already forgotten her like she's already starting to fade away uh the the, the woman that made girls oh um oh what's her name <laughs> i don't know she she's she's like the 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 avatar of propped up white mediocrity but there was a criterion collection um, edition of Tiny Furniture.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, uh, th- you're talking about the HBO show. Yeah. Um, I'm pulling it up now.
1: I'm pulling it up. Hold on. Ho- Lena Dunham. Lena Dunham? Like, Lena Dunham's Tiny Furniture got a Criterion collection? Tiny Furniture got a Criterion collection? And I said, oh, well, hell, anything can get on a Criterion collection. Well, yeah, that's like true. Barbershop, like, like, yes, like, Barbershop. Like, like, all kinds of things should get Criterion. Because I don't know if you ever watch Criterion, uh, Tiny furniture. I did see that. Yeah, movie. that's like an hour and forty five minutes of my life that I'll never get back. No, you're absolutely right. Yes, no, yeah. I can't believe that got a Criterion collection. You know what? I'm not even going because her entire like like a thousand years from now again when someone does projects on propped up white mediocrity, like her entire career has been a hookup.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I believe you 100. percent
1: But I go along with you that Ganjin Hess would be a suitable substitution. But I think both of them are worthy.
0: I want to continue Nina's um, email. Okay. Also speaking of Watermelon Man. Okay. You can't tell me the first 20 seconds or so of Herbie Hancock's best song ever don't sound like the creepy, haunting, tinkering hobos theme found in the
1: whiz. I completely agree with her. I do agree. Not with only that. do I agree with her, but when I left last week and we were talking about it, I actually started listening to Headhunters on the way home. Okay. And I heard it and I said, like I always said, that sounds like that creepy part in the whiz. And then you do
0: turn do, you turn it off. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely right. Do, 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 do. Relatedly, I first saw the whiz in pre-K. The Graffiti Kids traumatized me and haunted my dreams for
1: decades. I've heard people talk about the Graffiti Kids, like most people talk. It does. Most it, people talk about the the, the puppeteer with that, but I've heard people talk about the Graffiti, graffiti Kids as well.
0: Yeah, that in the subway scene.
1: Subway. When the subway. Well, that's like that's,
0: that's that's the that's that's not the Graffiti <gasps> Kids. Graffiti- Isn't that the same? No, the graffiti the scene- kids are like. Oh the no, no, no! Kids- I'm
1: saying the subway scene is the right, right, right. And then the 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 signs or, or the columns start columns start walking yeah. off. Right. It scared my daughter the first time she saw Eveline melt. I mean, Eveline melt and then get flushed down the toilet really i mean it's a lot
0: yeah but that i guess the way that's done doesn't really yeah but but i was older when i saw it yeah uh she says i could go on and on but suffice to say you have a lifelong fan oh thank you keep it up and i hope the gifts and the memes that she she did like just like flooded her email with (laughs) ladies and gentlemen i wish you could all see these Hope they entertained you as much as listening to you guys entertained me. Love, Nina. P.S. I co-sign whoever said you guys should watch Chameleon Street. I'm sitting on my hands to keep from typing a laundry list of movies I want to hear you <laughs> talk about. But, oh, P.P.S., thank you so much for calling it black film instead of African American film.
1: All right now.
0: Well, you're very welcome. You're very Nina. welcome
1: and good luck on the front. <laughs> Keep your head down.
0: Yes, uh, please do. We don't we don't want anything to happen to our new fan. No. Missionary. Uh-oh. Our new missionary, that's true. I'm sorry. She's earned the title. We also heard on SoundCloud, we heard from George Kimona. What's up, George? But George always <laughs> shouts out to us. So with all due respect, George. I'm going to uh, read the listings from MC Picket Fence, who also listens on SoundCloud. Hey,
1: what's up? Who said? I almost called him by his government. I don't know. What yeah, don't want to do that. I, don't want to do that. What's up, MC Picket Fence? Who also said that? Um,
0: I am glad that you liked it, Len. Because <laughs> <laughs> many people didn't think that I would like uh, Watermelon Man, and I liked it. I I enjoyed the movie a lot. You know, I really, you know, look, I embrace this whole seeing me as a hater thing. I really am not a hater of black films. He's not. I really love black films. I just want so much
1: more <laughs> from them. That's all.
0: Is, is that not too much to ask? It
1: is. It, it is never wrong to have standards. That's my point. Vince. I know. I agree with you. People don't see that. They, well, they, nobody else seems to.
0: That's that's my problem. They don't seem to agree with me, uh, with you, Vince, and that that upsets, upsets me. Upsets me a great deal. All right. Moving on, as it were. Let's look at some of uh, some of the news that's popping up in black movie. Dough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all. I don't know about you, Vince. I don't know if you you've peeped that uh, here in Philadelphia, ladies and gentlemen. They're filming a movie. Yes, they are, and starring in that movie is Andre Three Thousand, <laughs> who has been showing up all over Philadelphia. It's like a Keen
1: peel skin, isn't it? Though he is all over Philadelphia. Doing what? What's he doing, Lynn? you tell them what he's doing what's he doing playing the flute he's playing the flute he's playing the flute every place he goes he's playing the flute all over philadelphia if you are wandering the streets of philadelphia and you see a guy and you go that kind of looks like andre 3000 playing the flute (laughs) yes that can't be right you may actually be right you may actually be right
0: that's right ladies and gentlemen so um so if you're in philly Check him out, Andre 3000. He's all over the place. And for what I understand, I think if he's not here now, coming here soon will be one Idris Elba.
1: I heard. I heard. I heard Drizzy is going to be in town. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Have you noticed? I wonder if you noticed this. You know how the running joke used to be that Samuel Jackson will not let any other brother eat because he was like doing like any everything and everything
1: Yes. have you noticed Idris Elba hey look he's been you got to strike while the iron's hot
0: well the iron is blazing hot yes I mean it was one thing where you know like he was like in like almost every movie right right Um, because we're going to see him next week in Hobbs and Shaw we are we're going to a press screening of it but now Idris Elba is literally on like every third commercial
1: yeah oh yeah I'm like, yo, dude. Hey, man, make that money.
0: I guess he can't be mad at make him.
1: Make that money. I am not angry at him at all. Make that dough.
0: All right. Um, for those who don't know, in the comic book world, in the geek in the movie world, this past weekend was the San Diego Comic-Con. Yes, sir. And the San Diego Comic-Con, where a ton of movie uh, information was dropped. Movie and television information. Ton of Star Trek news was dropped. Yeah. So if you haven't checked it out, ladies and gentlemen. Look somewhere on your feed because we did a very special Spock adjacent where we went through all of the Star Trek news. Um, and you know, me and Vince being huge comic book heads, we are Marvel Comics, well, Marvel Entertainment, I guess. Sure. Laid out their entire next phase of films,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is. Full of diversity. Yeah, yeah. Full of diversity. Um, And starting on one of the films that they talked about was there is actually going to be um, The Eternals. Yeah. Is going to be a a movie that's going to be hitting that which basically takes like that Jack Kirby
1: product. Look, man. It's it's wacky 70s Jack Kirby stuff. Y'all look it up. Because we can't possibly really explain the Eternals.
2: You
0: can't explain the, the Eternals? <laughs> right. Why can't you explain the Eternals? Hey, hey, hey,
1: did you ever really get the right of the Eternals? No. I... Yeah, no, yeah, I know. Mm. I know. We all kind of like the Eternals as a concept. Mm. It's like Chariots of the Gods. It's like Jack Kirby read an article about the book Chariots of the Gods. Right. And then did some Jack Kirby stuff. And nobody actually understands the Eternals. Mm-hmm. But it's a movie coming out. Brian Tyree Henry is going to be one of them. I know. So that is like Are epic. You, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to Brian know. Brian Tyree Henry getting some of that Marvel money.
0: Yes, most certainly. Um, then, you know, in Marvel, because they were t- releasing um, movie news, but they also released some... TV news and there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be on Disney Plus, the new streaming mm-hmm. service. Yep. And one of the shows that they announced was WandaVision. Yes. Which is the story of the Scarlet Witch and I guess a resurrected Vision. We right. Don't know right. What's going right. to happen?
1: And by now, I had fa- like every time they talked about, it, I had fallen asleep by the time you got to the end of I guess the Vision is resurrected. Right. Like I had turned the channel. Right. But then.
0: But then we learned that playing a grown-up Monica Rambeau and Monica Rambeau was seen as a little girl in this year's Captain Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. Playing a grown-up Monica Rambeau in WandaVision is none other than Tiana Paris last seen in If Beale Street Could Talk.
1: And suddenly
0: WandaVision looks a whole lot better.
1: I am super interested in. Wanda super
0: Vision. interested in WandaVision. I yes, this is what got me interested in WandaVision.
1: That this is completely what got me interested in. Wanda I did Vision. not care about WandaVision. No, until until now. No, not for nothing. That big long ass Avengers movie that was just out. Both times I went, I used the bathroom when it was Division and Scarlet Witch. Wow. Were they even? I don't even think they were in the last one. No, they was it, no not the last one. The um, I guess they were in the Infinity. They, they War. were Infinity War, Infinity right. War, right? Yeah, um,
0: yeah, Tiana Paris getting some of that
1: Marvel getting money. Some of that Marvel money, and you know we have been champions of Tiana Paris since. I mean, when did we do Chirac? Was that was it? very early. That's like on the, the mission. second or third episode. It was very early. So, probably since, first 10, yes. so since then we are yeah. well documented fans. Fans of
0: Tiana, of Tiana Paris. Paris. And I will, you know, own my bona fides that I have been a fan of Tiana Paris since she was on Mad Men. I
1: was about to say since Mad Men. She was Black Dawn. Yep. So I am I am so super excited. Very, very happy for her. Yes. I am I am. So that that's dope. Yeah. And then and then well 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 oh, okay. Or, 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 I mean, we we, we got to talk about the Falcon and and okay and Winter Soldier and Falcon and Winter Soldier and spoiler for Endgame. I mean, at this point, are we still doing spoilers for in game? No. Okay. So as you know captain america passed his shield on and he passed it to anthony mackie to anthony mackie is the falcon right so anthony mackie came on stage with the shield yes he did and talked about how that will continue in the show
0: right the show the falcon and the and winter the, soldier right starring uh sebastian
1: stan right also on disney yes plus
0: also on disney plus I have to say, I mean, I was already interested in that. So was I. I was interested in that. I like the kind of like
1: the little pairing I was I liked I liked the chemistry between the two actors.
0: You know, from um Civil War. Right. Uh so I was always interested in that. So that that's that's very cool. And I'm interested to see what they do with the whole iteration of Falcon as Captain America Right. as he was in the comic books for right. a, a couple right. of years actually.
1: And frankly, I don't think the role of Falcon in the movies has really highlighted the level of talent Anthony Mackie has.
0: No, he certainly has been, you know, placed in the background. Right. Like Anthony Mackie is a good
1: actor, a very very, very good, good actor. Very strong actor. So I was looking forward to him having the television show and
0: Yeah, being able to flex his chops. Exactly. You know, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. This doesn't, you know, fit like show Mission um vibe, but of all the shows on that they they announced. Right that are gonna be on Disney Plus. Right. Um, you know, yes, I'm excited for, you know, Anthony seeing Anthony Mackie and Diana T- Paris. But if I have to be honest, the one show that intrigues me the most though is Hawkeye. Hawkeye looks interesting. I thought you were gonna say what if. Well what if what if does intrigue me because I'm like an animation fan sure, and that's sure. gonna be animated and that I know they're getting a lot of the 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 actors from the movies to like do like the voice acting right you know where where appropriate so that does intrigue me and that looks like it's going to be fun but i got a funny feeling because of the nature of what and what if that's going to be hit or miss yeah true but hawkeye hawkeye looks good because they're they more or less are kind of like basing it Mm -hmm. on the like almost if it didn't win awards damn near award-winning oh yeah hawkeye book by matt fraction and yeah oh yeah I, I, that and that, yeah, that really looks, intrigues me.
1: the funny thing is i will I, you know you know but they don't know i was out of town this week at a family reunion mm-hmm. and just on a humble went to ollies okay and bought an oversized edition of that hawkeye series really on the cheap oh wow before they announced it because you know the They they announced it by using the same font. Yeah, as as the as the series. So I'm I'm completely with you. Yeah, that looks I'm completely with you. Okay. But then But
0: then just when you thought the panel was over. The big news. The big news was The huge news. That Kevin Feige, the executive director of Marvel Productions basically welcomes to the stage two time Academy (laughs) Award winning actor Murhashala Ali to announce that at Mr. Ali's request Marvel and Disney are casting him in a reboot
1: Mm, mm, mm. of Blade. Man.
0: And the crowd
1: went wild. When I read it, I didn't even believe it at first. Like, I read it and my old journalism training kicked in, Mm. and I said, I need to check this in two other sources. Exactly. Like, this can't possibly be real. And those two other
0: sources can't be other sources just running that story. Right, 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 right,
1: right. Yeah, man. I don't even know. I don't even know what to do with that. (laughs) They ain't ready. Okay, okay, I'm they. (laughs) I'm they.
0: Y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready for Merhashallah Ali as Blade.
1: Y'all are not. We have talked about it, and I certainly don't think we were the only ones to to say it. His turn is Cottonmouth mm-hmm. and Luke Cage, and spoiler, when they killed him off, yes, I think we all lamented. No more Cottonmouth. No right. more Mursala Ali. As no more mouth. best thing of Luke Cage. But now he's going to be Blade. <sighs> I am so ready
0: I am so listen Mahershala Ali first came across my you know horizon in House of Cards yes and yes w- when he did I thought huh that's an interesting brother you know the first time he pops up on right, screen right and then as he started doing more work in that show I was like hmm he's he, this boy we got some chops. Yeah, he's the one. And then there he was in the Hunger Games. I think it was the 3rd one. Okay. Or I maybe he was in the 2nd one, but I remember him in the 3rd one. Okay. And I said when I saw him there, I said uh people are noticing this boy.
1: Mm-hmm. This
0: boy is going to do some work. This boy gonna do some work, and there was something about the way that he was in the whole in the Hunger Game, the bearing that he had, that I remember actively saying to myself, "Wow, he would be a good blade." Never thinking it was going to happen. Never thinking it was going to happen because never thinking that you know, as long as Wesley Snipes alive, who's gonna dare
1: Look. step into those shoes? Those shots to him in that. That disposable movie that came out last year, Alita, oh Alita Battle Angel, where he's wearing the black coat and the black Mm -hmm. sunglasses. Mm -hmm. It's it. I said, wow, he kind of looks like Blade. Yep, yep. But he's won two Academy Awards, right? There's no way he would sign up for a movie series.
2: Hey, hey,
1: Dream Director. 30 seconds. Cassie Lemons.
0: Explain. Because based on the atmosphere that she mm-hmm. builds and Eve's by There it is. You could see her uh, like just steering the gumbo mm-hmm. out of Blade. What she may or may not know about Doing action and all that type of stuff, you get a stunt coordinator in there. It's so a good that choice.
1: Work. Good choice. I was gonna say the 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 sexy obvious choice would be Jordan Peele, mm. but I actually was thinking somebody from that Bloomhouse from from the Bloom House team. Okay. okay. Because I'm thinking the same. I think they should go full horror. Oh. I think okay. they should go full horror, action Ooh. horror, if you will.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That would be
1: interesting. That would be... And I don't know enough about the House films to know the directors, Mm -hmm. but the look of them. I think I I would... Like, I I want full horror.
0: I don't know the names of these directors either, but there are some very evocative... Korean horror—that's not bad. That if you dipped, like you took somebody with
1: that from that aesthetic, right? Like somebody, like the director of the Ring Mm -hmm. of Ring, I guess Ringu, Ringu, or or
0: even more. There's actually been some more recent films, yeah. But if you like put them on, if they dared go this way with Marvel, because they've already announced more or less that Blade, like the movies, the movies and television that they announced this weekend, is Phase 4. Right. right. They Blade, yeah, Blade isn't coming phase for is, a while. Blade is going to yeah. be Phase 5, which is when Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2 are, are all going to drop. Right. And I think even Galaxy Guardians of Galaxy 3 might drop. Then right. Too. So, um, that's when Blade will drop. Like, I think if you got someone from that world... And mixed them with Murchala Ali. Here's the good thing about it though. Here's the great thing. As huge as Marvel is and Disney are, and as and as much as because of how much of the market they control, they can pretty much call their own shots. Right. Murershala Ali is so significant of an actor because of his his awards, and because of the acclaimed work he's still doing, like in the most recent uh, season of True Detective, right? That he probably can have sign off on who the director is. Yeah. Like they can't just go stick
1: him with somebody. Right. Well, and, and I will say this as much as I trust a soulless, multi billion dollar corporation. I trust Marvel enough to respect the pedigree of mm-hmm. Blade. Yeah. And to respect the singular vision of directors. I think at this point now, I think they've they've
0: grown cuz they, that wasn't always the case. I think more recently. You know what?
1: All 3 of the Captain America films Black Panther I, I mean That's really it. I think you could argue Ant-Man like I'm talking about these Marvel films that have their own, mm-hmm. own kind mm-hmm. of vibe own kind of vibe Which which Thor did Kenneth Branagh do? He did the first one.
0: The first Thor? Yeah but that's what that's why he didn't do the second.
1: No 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 my point is and, and the reason I included Thor in Ant-Man These were films that weren't necessarily commercial successes or huge commercial successes. As huge. As huge. The first Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: It was a big success.
1: It was a big success, but it was also a film that was director driven. Yes. So again, I think they actually have a record of trusting
0: directors. Yeah, but I really do think that that's still fairly recent. I think that Guardians of the Galaxy by I mean, nature of Captain America and Thor the first phase. Yeah, okay, they were, but then they really dug their hands in there. You know what I mean? Like and I think that's kind of like I don't know. I don't think that they always trust their their directors and I think that's why Thor had um, three different directors across his right, three right. films. Uh, Captain America. You know they had the first, they, they had the first Captain America, and then the Russo brothers come in, right, for the next ones, right. You know, uh, I think there's a reason why John Favreau left after Iron Man two. Well, there's a reason why you know, um, they had to get another director for the first Ant Man right um so i think they've they've learned to 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 be more trusting of the directors and their vision and then i honestly think that it is the success of guardians and black panther that made them realize you know what as long as they hit it as long as we know that they got to hit a certain kind of beats we got to get out of their way
1: right i want to throw one more name in the mix I want to put a pin in this name and then revisit it in a year or two. The sister who's directing the Candyman remake. Oh, okay. Um, That Jordan Peele handpicked. Right. That would be
0: Candyman from 2020, which is going to be directed by Nia DaCosta.
1: Let's keep our eye on Nia DaCosta. All right. Okay. But yes, these are exciting times.
0: These are very, very exciting Just times.
1: Just as a point of, of information, the trailer for Harriet dropped today. With Cynthia
0: Arrivo.
1: Yes, oh, sir. Oh, oh,
0: oh.
1: Speaking of uh, Cassie Lemons.
0: Yes. Speaking Cynthia of Arrivo playing um,
1: Harriet Tudman Harriet in the Tud- biopic directed by Cassie Lemons. Can't wait. Cannot wait. And there's a still for those of us that are fiending for any information (laughs) whatsoever. There's a still, the first couple of stills of Eddie Murphy.
0: Yes. uh, As Rudy Ray Moore. In Dolomite. Netflix. Dolomite is my name. Dolomite is my name. It's going to be a Netflix movie. Um, I don't know if they've gotten actually a release date on that.
1: No, no, no. Just
0: yet. It's going to premiere at the 2019 Toronto International Film Festival. Right. Um, but they haven't said when it's going to hit Netflix. Um, I Yeah, I can't wait for that. It's going to be directed by Craig Brewer. of uh, yeah. Hustle and Flow fame. Yeah. And um, st- I mean, it's got everybody in it. Chris Rock, Wesley Snipes, Craig Robertson.
1: Uh, Titus Burgess. Titus Burgess. From the Unbreakable... Kimmy Smith.
0: yeah, Divine Joy Randolph, mm-hmm. uh, Keegan Michael Key, uh, oh my God, Ti, it's it's going to be insane. I have high hopes. I have high hopes for this I as have well. High hopes. I have high hopes for this as well. So I, I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to check that out. All right, and of course Eddie Murphy is, and of course Eddie him. Murphy is. So ready. now we made a, a pact. Yes, with um, our friends Dorian. Missick and Omar Dorsey right right to review all of the Dolomite films together right
1: not for nothing I feel like you tricked me because I mean obviously we don't see them that often yes which means that we can't do it that often exactly but, but yes we oh, did oh I knew what I, oh, I know about. I know you bastard <laughs> yeah, no.
0: um do we uh 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 throw this one in the mix as well? Sure, let's throw that in
1: the mix as well. Alright, Dorian, Omar. 2035. (laughs) We'll get to that. In the year 2035, man wars with machine and animal for supremacy of Earth. And the Michaud Mission has Omar Dorsey and Dorian Misek in their cave reviewing My name is Dolomite. Dolomite is my name. Dolomite is my... It's it's the post-apocalyptic wasteland of 2035. Very true. Things get garbled.
0: (laughs) All right, Vince. It's time for
1: us... (laughs) Enough shenanigans out of you. Enough shenanigans. It
0: is time for us to get into our review of 1964's Black Like Me.
1: We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it.
2: Uh-huh. Let's go. Uh-huh. John Horton crossed the color line and changed the color of his skin to black, changed it so it couldn't rub off. Then the long night filled with endless terror, hounded, pursued like an animal. How much can a man take before he breaks? See black like me. It's true. John Horton is a white man. He changed the color of his skin to black. Then some white men asked him questions like, Hey, nigger, where can I find me a black gal? When it comes to lovin', some white folks are very democratic. See black like me, it's true. John Horton changed the color of his skin to black. Then he lived black. This is the start of a coon hunt. They find themselves a black man, stalk him, then watch him run. In some places it's a game, just like baseball. See Black Like Me, it's true.
1: Black Like Me, from 1964, is an American drama based on the book of the same name by John Howard Griffin. The journalist disguised himself to pass as an African-American man for six weeks in 1959 in the Deep South to report on life in segregated society from the other side of the color line. The film was directed by Carl Lerner with the screenplay written by Lerner and his wife, Gerda Lerner. It stars James Whitmore, Sorrel Brook, Roscoe Lee Brown, a really interesting turn by Richard Ward, and a variety of other character actors who show up for a scene or two 1964's Black Like Me was the choice of Lynn Webb what say you Lynn Webb of Black Like Me what does Black Like You say about Black Like Me to Black Like Me <laughs> what does Black Like You say to Black Like Me about Black Like Me
0: I think you um I think you used this w- word about a movie once you called it like a curio. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yes. Just like, you know, just a hmm, That's a curio. Yes. Black like me is a curio.
1: Black like me is a curio.
0: How so? Well, because when I found out about this movie and I I I think I heard about it over the years, right. you know what I mean? There was a part of me that was, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, some low independent thing made a movie about Black Like Me. And I didn't, when I first heard about it, I didn't even know what the movie was about. I just heard Black Like Me. Right. So I'm thinking it's a black movie
1: <laughs> talking right. about black people. Right. It had like Flip Wilson in it. Yeah. Talking about he, he
0: black like me. Right. Right. You know what I mean? But then I, I, I found out what the movie was about. It was about, you know, somebody, you know. Making himself black to be in the South with science, yes, (laughs) yes. Quick aside, (laughs) I wasn't gonna go here this early, but it's already kind of like out in pop culture. But there's a famous issue of uh, Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane. (laughs) Issue number 106. Yes. Which on the cover, Lois Lane pops into a machine <laughs> and then pops out on the other side, having turned herself
1: into a black woman. I've been looking for an affordable copy of this issue for 20 years.
0: And the title of the story is I am curious.
1: <laughs> I am black. <laughs> I am black. <laughs> My favorite detail of that cover is the way Superman looks at her as she comes out the machine, <laughs> because he's like, "Well, all right now."
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. He's he's giving her the once over. Uh huh.
0: And um, I believe he may be inappropriately using his X ray vision.
1: <laughs> oh, great Scott, indeed. <laughs> exactly.
0: And in this movie, yes. I mean, the movie in this comic book, where Lois Lane travels to the Little Africa area of Metropolis. <laughs> To strike up a conversation with black people to see how they are dealing with society. <laughs> Come on. Only to be Come on, shunned, man. we just started. Only to be shunned <laughs> by black people calling her Whitey.
1: <laughs> As we do. Go somewhere, Whitey. As we do. With your pencils and paper. <laughs> I was at Trade Joe's just earlier today buying some chicken (laughs) appropriately enough (laughs) and some flowers when all of a sudden when someone said are you did you find when when I went to check out the cashier said did you find everything that you needed and I said I sure did whitey (laughs)
0: much like the the residents of little Africa (laughs) much like the residents of little Africa Superman's girlfriend Lois Lane number 106 (laughs) Um, To her rescue comes Superman as he is wont to
1: do. As he is wont to do.
0: And because he'll do anything for Lois he takes Lois to his plasti-mold machine. <laughs> which he uses to turn her into a black woman.
1: He just so happened to have a machine that does this Flying around the Fortress of Lying solitude. Around hey, 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 hey! Y'all got follow-up questions about this machine? Don't, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Apparently, though,
0: what I have now learned, Superman is not a cinephile. No, because if he had watched Black like me, he would have known that Lois didn't need the plaster mold machine. She didn't. She needed. Only to go to her local drugstore. Somebody's done the work already. <laughs> exactly. Go to her her primary doctor. Mm-hmm. Get a prescription <laughs> for some quote unquote pills.
1: Pills. <laughs>
2: pills.
1: <laughs> because I know these motherfuckers did not just say pills. <laughs> yes, they said pills. <laughs>
0: Cause we, want, we don't want to def- define the mechanism to too to on the nose, right. but these, but these said pills
1: taken under the, the rays of a sun lamp. it does seem like a sun lamp would be involved
0: in time. <laughs> you will in fact turn black,
1: turn black. That's science.
0: That's science. It says so right here in black like me. Black like me. In 19 they did it in 1964. They did it 1960. They've already given you the recipe. The
1: technology is here.
0: Is here for us to be black. Now. <laughs> how anybody will confuse you for being black. <laughs> especially in the deep south (laughs) because in this movie James Whitmore totally (laughs) totally a northeastern American travels to the deep
1: south hello fellow negroes (laughs) Would you mind sharing with me your experiences here as a Negro here in the Deep South? I'm a reporter writing about these events. I'm looking for a room with blacks. <laughs> Folks,
0: this is the actual dialogue. I am reading from the script of Black
1: Like me. <laughs> Oh, my God. Go ahead, go ahead. I feel like you haven't even really talked about the movie yet. Because the whole premise is so ridiculous. The premise you, is ridiculous. You can't, even, you can't even get to the movie.
0: Because, I mean, but you know what? You know what, man? The premise is... The, pre- the premise is born of the privilege that white people have had smacked in their face for the last 10 years. And in 1964, that privilege is baked into their psyche. So that the makers of this movie, including the writer of the book, you know, um, John Howard Griffin, are of the mindset That if I cut down my curly hair (laughs) and bathe by the light of a lamp from the sun. Yes. And take pills. And take a daily pill. Pills. I can not only change my skin color, but now. I can become one <laughs> with black society it... so that I might report on them.
1: Isn't that how it works?
0: Yes. Isn't that how, isn't that what Jane Goodall did
1: when she wanted to... I mean, just today after I left Trader Joe's and told Whitey that I had found everything that I was looking for, I saw a black... In the street. And I said, well, hello, black. Do you need somewhere to stay? (laughs) Would you like to come and stay with me? Perhaps sleep in the bed with me? And he said, thank you, fellow black. And then we went and prepared the chicken and had the flowers in the middle and talked about the race question.
0: This is a direct scene (laughs) from Black Like Me, ladies and gentlemen. We are not making this up. This is a scene from this
1: movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: This movie is insane. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is insane. First of all, James Whitmore a highly respected actor. So I gotta give him props.
1: Right for even signing
0: on even this. signing on to this. Absolutely. For for the experiment that this movie is. Yes. And you know, with our tongue firmly in our cheek as we talk about this movie, let me say I appreciate what I they're trying to do because I believe in their misguided. this is just a misguided attempt at trying to do what they think is a good thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. totally misguided. Yes. And totally ineptly done. Yes. But their hearts are in the right place. Their hearts are decidedly in the right place in what they are doing. And and, And that also goes to the creator of this whole experiment, John Howard Griffin, Yeah, the person that wrote the book,
1: and actually did this. And actually did this. So it's hard to right. Two is worth acknowledging: great danger to himself, extremely great danger. Like it's easy to laugh about this in 2019. It's really easy to laugh about this in 2019, but really easy. But he, he, the man risked his life. He risked his life because the
0: the situations you see his character getting into uh, in this movie. His character, John Finley Horton,
1: <laughs> a Negro
0: man. Which, to be honest, (laughs) is a (laughs) Negro-sounding
1: To be fair, cats call him Johnny. They call him Johnny two (laughs) times. If you heard John Finley Horton was coming to the house,
0: (laughs) I'd expect Roscoe Lee Brown to walk in. (laughs) Right. But but the scenes that you see him uh, the scenes that play out in this movie are scenes that are directly from the book. Mm-hmm. So That's right. when he gets into multiple cars hitchhiking himself through the south. Right. Um and is picked up by white drivers. So let's point it out. They picked up this this black, you know, as far as they could tell, black man on the side of the road. Right. They picked him up to give him a ride. But they also picked him up because he provided a curio for them. Yes. Hey. Have you ever done it with a white woman? Yeah. You know, this was real talk. When there's when of all people, the actor Will Gear, who if you grew up in the 70s, was grandpa Walton
1: I know. on the Waltons. I know. It was but really- in
0: 1964, older man, working actor. Yeah. And to see him in this movie. Basically, playing this role of this guy who is, you know, regaling with great joy about how he has betted so many of the black women that work on his farm. Yeah. Because it is, in his mind, his right to do. Yeah. And, you know, he is doing this. He's he is uh, um, you know bestowing the black world with his seed if he even does have any children of these women to hear to hear that in such stark terms in this film to me is daring Yeah. in a 1964 movie and to put that out there up front to put the bigotry of the south up front for you to see is very daring at this time because this was a time when movies movie the, uh, the the major studios were very aware of what they put in their movies so much so that they would edit a lot of their films Absolutely. to be shown in the south Or certain movies they just knew couldn't play in the South. Couldn't play below the Mason Dixon line. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So for them to put this on Front Street like that is daring. And the movie, which was a hit in its time, was a hit in spite of that because it it drew some backlash from, you know, white audience, especially Southern white audiences, for its depiction of white people in the South. yeah, It did. That's about all the good this movie's got going for it. Because this movie is it's a great, interesting, misguided experiment, but it is an experiment all the same and it is an experiment that fails because one the there's no true narrative here. Right. It really is just a bunch of scenes to scene the scenes. Right. Um there's the the, the the direction is okay but it's nothing to write home about. There's some interest, again that it, it's
1: it's some it's a couple of interesting transitions. It's,
0: it's interesting transitions. Yeah. There's moments where he's looking in the mirror and it flashes to a flashback that's kind of cool. Right, you know, right. But other than that, there's nothing to write home about. Right. Um And <laughs> you 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 cannot get over how cringeworthy the makeup <laughs> job is.
1: The makeup is absolutely terrible, and and I've said for years about passing both ways, that when black people pass for white, and certainly I I suspect in this case that no one passes with black people. No, no. Like this may work on white people, but there's not a black person alive that I think buys that this person was black.
0: Absolutely
1: not. Yeah, it, it, it it's a terrible film. Yeah. It's a terrible film with with its heart in the right place, as you've already said, but even with its heart in the right place, I do have to say, as a black person who loves blackness and, and loves everything, regardless of the fact that I'm looking at it from 2019, I'm looking at 1964, I have always been ambiently offended by the notion that my blackness is a problem Mm. this sensibility that i'm a white man and for me to understand blackness is for me to you mentioned very facetiously about jane goodall going into the mountains to live with the apes Mm -hmm. but that's absolutely the way they frame this journey with him exactly the way he talks to his wife the way his friends warn him you would think he was going into deepest darkest battle right and this is not seen as a reflection of white misunderstanding of blackness this is just seen as objective reality in this film. Because when he does enter the black race, there is nothing but misery. Yes. And and poverty. Poverty and prejudice. Mm-hmm. And there, there's one scene where he ends up at a rooming house and they go to a party. Right. And I actually made note that this was the one moment of happiness. Yes. That this film grants blackness. It made me think, talking about asides, a few years ago we reviewed Porgy. Mm-hmm. Porgy not Porgy. Not Porgy. Pearly. No, Pearl, Pearly Pearl. Victorious. And there's a line in Pearly Victorious where the two two actresses are talking to each other. And for those of you who don't remember, Pearly Victorious is about a woman who is who is going to pretend to be someone else, right? To get this money, and the and the woman who's had to pretend say says I don't know how to pretend. I'm not an actress. This, that, and the other. And then another character says, "You're black. You pretend and act all the time. Mm-hmm. That's what we do around white people." And she says this line that has always stayed with me. She says, "You know, when nobody's looking." sometimes being colored is pretty fun. And I thought about this in this film, that this is clearly the project of a group of white people Mm -hmm. who don't actually know any black people. Right. So it's this entire construction of race from the outside looking in. So just on that level, I, I, I do have to say on a very basic level, I was offended Okay. Regardless of the of the acknowledged good place that these people tried to come from.
0: So you're offended just to
1: be clear, you're offended by the notion the notion uh, that blackness is is parallel to misery and pain, and then that's the end of the conversation.
0: So you're so by that thinking then you're also offended by the the writer. The, of the exactly, book, John
1: Howard Griffin. Exactly, and his whole okay. exactly. Okay. So there's that, and then everything that you've just said, just from a technical point of view, it's it's amazingly melodramatic. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. The acting is is it, it's it's it it, it, it's, it never really rises above the level of serviceable for most of the film. There are three scenes that did strike me though. Okay. That actually okay. made me basically pop my head's head up from my notes. Richard Ward, who is is an actor that we have talked about previously on this show, talking about black culture, Richard Ward is best known as James Evans' father from Good Toms. Yes. He plays a shoe shine man mm-hmm. who this character confides in. And there's a scene where he is basically teaching him how to navigate whiteness and navigate white people. That's the best scene in the movie. And yes. that is a fantastic scene. That is, an And absolute I wrote in my scene. notes, if the camera just stayed in this room for another hour, we might have something.
0: You know, honestly, when when I'm
1: watching that,
0: I'm thinking along those same lines, but I'm thinking like if you just built that out, and just made this whole thing just like one half hour. You'd have groundbreaking television, and that's all you need. You yeah. don't need anything
1: else. Exactly. There, right there, is black lightning because Richard Ward is so good in mm-hmm. that scene. That's, there's yes. a split second after he confides in him where Richard Ward says, "Is that blackface?" Mm-hmm. And there's a flash of anger that is electric. Everybody writes about Roscoe Lee Brown and not Roscoe Lee Brown, uh, Al Freeman Jr. Al Freeman Jr. In, in, this, in this film. And he has a pretty electric scene, too, where he addresses the hypocrisy right. of the white liberal and of the white voyeur, voyeur basically, who's looking at the civil rights movement as, 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 as blood sport, basically. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that being in this film. I did. Too. I appreciated the film acknowledging. But that did happen. I know it happened, but it right. didn't have to be in the film. Okay, I hear so you. So I, I appreciate you. the acknowledgement of the, what we would call now poverty porn almost, of this project. Like, this is a film, or this is a project made by a white person for white audiences. Right. And then along those lines, there's This really bizarre scene with a reporter who is writing about race who has this this really strikingly homoerotic scene with him. Oh, yeah. Where he's talking about black organs and and can I see. Yeah, I didn't
0: want to understand what was happening there.
1: I think we we just talked about it last two weeks ago and we've come back to it again and again. There is this vein of whiteness mm-hmm. that fetishizes black male sexuality. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated this film acknowledging that. Yeah. That that is also and, and that coupled with the Roscoe Lee Brown, not Roscoe Lee Brown, the because Roscoe Lee Brown is in it, but I think he, it's it's such a bizarre scene. It's a very bizarre scene. The Al Freeman Jr. scene. Right. I thought I, I had to give the film props for the acknowledgement of how problematic this idea was okay like the fact that they even acknowledge it
0: i got you i got you
1: but this 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 i wish there was another word besides terrible because a terrible film sort of baked in you watch it from beginning to end and then at the end you say oh this was a terrible film but almost from the first scene where you see him in the makeup. Yeah. I wanted to just turn it all. I was like, what is what is going on what here? Is, what is happening here? And then a
0: weird thing happens because I guess to a degree the movie's credit, you know, because you can't not know what this movie is going in. Right. So it's no secret. Right. right. And so they don't hide that he's Black guy, right? There's no great reveal, right? Like, there's no great reveal. Like, the first time you see him, he's black, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of so, and so he's black for like about the first or whatever he is, <laughs> um, for like the first 10 minutes of the movie, and then it flashes back to him coming up with the idea and going through the idea of exactly how he's going to go about this and yeah, the pills and everything like that. To then it gets to the scene when he actually first <laughs> becomes black. Yes, and weirdly that is played as a dramatic moment.
1: Oh, the music is so
0: it's like a music
1: sting. It, it is, and you know, like in the in the, the camera holds as you know you <laughs> see his face, right, and you see it from the reflection, right. Almost like the film was saying, like the in the language of film, they didn't think that we as the audience. Could handle looking directly at him. Exactly, you had to see the reflection of what we've been
0: watching for ten <laughs> minutes already. I was like, I was like, what's, what's going on what here? What is happening in this movie? Excuse me, we've already seen this. Right. Spoiler alert! It was at the beginning of the
1: movie. <laughs> I keep waiting for him to break out in the song, Mammy. oh Mami, hello my baby, hello my darling." Hello, my ragtime gal. I'm like, is he? He's, he's he must not be finished with the makeup yet. It, I I was it was weird. I was if Oz is gonna be impotent, <laughs> Oz is going to look impotent. I mess up that joke because <laughs> my enunciation is actually too much, yes. if I'm going to be impotent, I'm <laughs> going to look impotent, is actually the joke. If I'm going to be impotent, I'm going to look impotent. Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't
0: make any sense. Um. However, you put on more of a black <laughs> affect than James Whitmore does <laughs> as John Finley
1: Horton. Hello, fellow Negroes. Is there a rooming house where I, as a Negro who is also one of your bondsman may sleep this evening I mean he's like
0: he's like quoting Spanish literature <laughs> I'm like I
1: mean like yes there are some very intelligent black hey, people he's bringing culture to the natives and then he sits down to he, play the piano. So plays the piano he plays this like minuet. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the black characters are looking at him like Oz has never heard nothing so beautiful in my life it's,
0: it's a very strange, <laughs> it's a very
1: strange film, Black like, like Me. And then I can't even really get my anger on because he meant well. Cause he, exactly. It's 1964. He meant well. Right. You know, I was like, uh, you know. But yeah. this is terrible.
0: It's, it's just a bad move. But, you know, you you talked about that party scene. There was. That whole party scene when he goes to the party and it's like he goes out on this double date, Um and you're right, it's the first happy moment in the in the film at all. It's the first right. time he smiles, right? Right, which is also beguiling because he, he just looks really weird. He's I mean, he really looks very weird. Yeah. Um. But, and I kind of. There was a part of me that kinda of liked that scene, like seeing the black people dance. There was this guy with the conch. He was getting his groove. Yeah. On. So I was I was digging it and then, you know, he's out there with some some girl that the, the girlfriend of the guy that lives in his boarding house. Yeah. This chick. And he's like, Hey, come out with us. I got a girlfriend, whatever. So he goes, whatever. But he's a married guy and he plays it as a married guy. And yes. I'm not gonna do anything. Um and in that scene, he gets up and dances, and like I'm like, all right, James Whitmore, he's actually trying to, yeah, he's, he's trying to boogie, he's trying to boogie, he's trying c- because cause at first they're just doing like you know the, the, like he's holding <laughs> right. hands, doing I, the you know I'd like steps. to
1: engage in the native dances.
0: <laughs> no, she says, okay, baby let me show you how we get down Uh-oh. down here Watch out and then they get
1: their groove on a little right, bit right, you know right.
0: fortunately it's only for two beats and then the oh, song's over
1: <laughs> we don't want to hurt anything yeah
0: we don't we don't need to see him having a stroke out there on the dance floor <laughs> and then it cuts to them walking home but and but all in all I'm enjoying this scene right right but then what I didn't like was that when he walks the the young lady home she who one knows he has a wife he said he has a wife yeah he made it implicitly clear that I am here because my boy asked me to come out so I'm just here you know and and part of you know this is you know part of my experiment
1: right you know
0: I'm in the wild yeah so that's why he's there you know you know she doesn't know of the experiment of course but she knows he's married, yeah, and she also makes mentions to him like that I have a husband out there somewhere as well, right, but when he walks her home, she rather bluntly invites him upstairs,
1: yes, and I didn't like that i I agree, but see, this is all see this is always a problem when we have these conversations about representation Mm -hmm. the real problem with that is that she's the only real black female character exactly if there were five women Mm -hmm. who were individual and represented different aspects of the black female voice then it wouldn't be so bad but i completely agree with you
0: right because she's the only one there you know except for some very strange one at some coffee shop, right? Who seems to be talking to herself, right? Uh, I don't know where she was looking in that scene, whatever. But outside of her, right, there really is no very little black,
1: right? Because even this. if you want to mirror that with the farmer that mm-hmm. you referenced earlier, Will Gears, character, Will Gears character, there are like eight, nine different white men, and you get this—you know—they make a point of showing a cross section. ...of white men. Yes. Good but ones, some, some bad who are, ones, or, or, ambivalent ones, right. this, that, and the other. But this is the only w- which, again, kind of speaks to the fact that this is a film for white people.
0: Right. Right. Because, because even the black men that he meet, outside of perhaps the Roscoe Lee Brown character... They all are pretty much cut from the same cloth as right. well. They, they just, Until you get to the end. Right. They just sit around uh, and complain about Freemans. Right. Complain about white people. Well, they complain, but but they, in but racism, they, but the, there's there's no anger. There's no it's, I, I don't I don't sense that there's a bitterness in their complaint. It, at least what I sense there was a almost of reluctant acceptance of their circumstance. Right. But that's all they talk about. No, But that's, that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you're talking about seeing this from the black, the white man's lens. The white man doesn't even want to put on on the face the different the different degrees of black people's
1: experiences with white people. It, exact Or experiences that and i know this is hard for some people to understand sometimes black people do stuff that don't have to do with white people exactly exactly like sometimes we just go to the barbershop or go to the movies or play cards right or read books
0: right or do stuff with our kids Right, which is what I thought was going to happen. Right. when we have the the uh, more a couple of uh, scenes that either happen at the boarding house or or at a diner, but no, it all just comes back to right. And I think that that's because this movie doesn't have a narrative. It doesn't have a throw line, right? That, to, to carry right. The, uh,
1: there's no story, right? It basically is just scene from scene right. from scenes. Which again, to kind of circle back. To before we start talking formally about the film it just made me appreciate the decisions in Watermelon Man that's true so much more because again by the end of the film the implication is he's going to stop taking these quote unquote pills and he gets to come back out of the wild right whereas Watermelon Man, not only does he stay black, but in my mind, the most revolutionary part of it is that this is not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Not only is it not the worst thing in the world, but by the time you get to the end of Watermelon Man, he does not have his suburban life that he had at the very beginning. It's not a bad life. Well, that's because he's got a hundred thousand dollars for his for his house. He got a hundred thousand dollars and he's learning black karate. Right. In, 1970s. in nineteen seventy. right. In in a cool apartment. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, this. this was a tough film. It was it was it was, This was a tough film, Lynn. It was
0: <laughs> It's a tough film right here. That being said, um to me this is still a black film.
1: I was and and I was about to say it's all. This film you could almost argue isn't a black film. I fall on the side of black film as well. Mm-hmm. But it's this. This is a a, a, a D minus. Oh yes, like this past this with is. a D minus. Yes,
0: yes. <laughs> that yes. this
1: is a black film.
0: Yes, the, this is the imitation of a black film. Right, exactly. That's what this <laughs> is. They,
1: and is this film blacker than Imitation of Life?
0: Well, I think that this film is blacker than the remake of Imitation of Life, the one I believe was Lana Turner. Right, right. I think this is
1: blacker than that. The original, no. Right. But I think this is blacker than that. Even Life. though. And, and not to revisit that film too much, although y'all should revisit it. The 1959 version actually deals more directly with quote unquote black issues because Lana Turner as a white actress is allowed to interact with white people more. Yeah, I know. Than what we got in the original version.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: Where she just That's sort of, true. she just sort of stews. That's true. And walks around
0: that's true, but I don't know. Maybe I mean, I mean, maybe it, I just got a, a soft spot for the nineteen thirty four. Look, the
1: hairs were splitting with these. True. Yeah, you're right. And then this one isn't even good. No, we're like, not
0: splitting hairs with this
1: one. Right, like this one isn't even good. Like the original imitation of life. Yeah. yeah. So. So, would you recommend? Would you? Hey, oh, yeah, it's me. Would you <laughs> recommend this film, Lynn?
0: I would recommend this film
1: with this proviso. I can't even believe we've gotten to provisos. What is your proviso for recommending this film?
0: That this film be watched in a black barbershop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not putting this film on in a black barbershop. If I go to my barbershop and say let's watch Black Like Me they might murder me.
0: Oh, no, they won't. (laughs) No, they won't. They will have such a good time ridiculing the hell out of this movie. Yeah. This will spark so many conversations. That's the thing. That's the thing. As off-putting as this movie is, I really believe the experiment of it all will spark up a lot of conversation.
1: Well, and that's, I must reluctantly recommend this film as well. Mm. Even more so than Watermelon Man. Like, I think this film is almost required viewing. I do too. Yeah, I think you... But you say, I'll let you continue. I think if you are invested in black film and in the culture of black film, this is a movie that is almost foundational. Like people talk about Black Like Me a lot. Do they really? I think it comes up a lot. The film, the book, when you talk about the civil rights era, I think it comes up. Okay. I think there's a lot of cross-referencing mm. to Black Like Me. Okay. And you can talk like like just the little bit of reading that I've done. There there's There's a transracial stuff that it connects to whether we're talking about Watermelon Man or or the Eddie Murphy skit from Saturday Night Live. Right, which is a
0: a spoof of this.
1: Or Dave Chappelle's Mm. characters. I think this goes into tragic mulatto conversations because I've read readings where people read it as as a tragic mulatto story. Mm. I think this speaks to that construction of blackness because i don't think that this film is unique in its construction of blackness as a problem to be solved okay or a culture that is synonymous with pain okay so i think it fits there as well i think this is a very useful film
0: no i i so, I, I would agree i'm just curious about it, you putting it up
1: or seeming
0: to well, put well, it I above think,
1: Watermelon well, like I, I, th- I said last week, or... do we do Watermelon Man last, last week or the week before last week? Last week. That I wouldn't call Waterman, Watermelon Man required viewing. Okay. You know, in my mind, I'm always putting together a syllabus. <laughs> That's true. That's so a teacher if, in you. So, so if I had to show, if I had to choose, it's always a Sophie's Choice putting together a syllabus. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I put on here? What do I leave off? What can garner the most conversations mm-hmm. and i think this is a film that as you said sparks a lot of conversations and again you can cross reference it with a lot of things but it's not an enjoyable movie no it's not it's not it, a good time at the movies it's not a good time at the movies it actually it it, it 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 wore me down like it beat me down by the end by the time it was over i was i was just so happy it was over <laughs> me they, too. I'll, they probably won't ask us on the criterion. No, criterion. I don't think. Vincent Williams says, I was just so happy when it was over.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll be on the Blu ray edition of uh, Black Like Me <laughs> Black anytime Black soon. Black. No. Which is
1: fine. Yeah, yeah, me. fine by me. But yeah, you should watch it. It's an hour and 47 minutes.
0: Yeah. You got an hour and 47 minutes, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. right. Don't
1: right. You? And again, it comes up.
0: All right. Before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week on the Michaux Mission, ladies and gentlemen, I invite you to email us all of your thoughts, concerns, and um, you know any you know missives from the front, <laughs> like Nina. Uh, email us at mission at gmail dot com. is M I C H E A U X. Like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Me Mission. Join the Facebook group Me Show Mission, where we have lots of fun talking with each and every one of our missionaries. We love getting into fun conversations with all of you. If you want to check us out live, ladies and gentlemen, because why wouldn't you? The Me Show Mission is going to be appearing at the Bryn Mawr. Where are we are going to be, Vince? The Bryn Mawr Film, film Institute. Institute. That's, That's right. right. On Thursday, August 22nd for a screening and talkback of To Sleep With Anger. Yes, sir. The Charles Burnett uh, urban gothic film starring Danny Glover. Tickets are on sale right now. Go to our website, michellemission.com and you can find the links to how you can get tickets to be in the building for our very special screening. Uh, It promises to be a very cool time. The show is also available in a edited version as a radio show every Saturday at 1pm on WPPM 106.5 FM People Power Media Philly Cam the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection here in Philadelphia. And you can wake up with me show every Monday morning at 9 a.m. On WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. And the me show mission is a proud member of the podglomerate. Podcast network, the podglomerate. Curated podcast just for your listening pleasure. Check out uh the history of stand up on the Podglomer. That's a cool podcast I've been uh, yeah. listening to. Oh yeah. All right. Next week on the Me Show mission, I uh Vince, are we are we staying in the Wayback Machine?
1: No. I mean, no. I mean, you said no. I mean, we kinda are, but, but, but I don't even call this the Wayback Machine. I'm, I'm serious. Black like me, just, just, just hurt my heart. I just so, so, Lynn, I got, I gotta go home and recharge. Oh, I
0: had to let so Vince is is has, I had to let Vince out of the Wayback Machine. I, I
1: gotta go home. I gotta go home. I gotta to go to the decade that gives me life. Oh boy. Although I will say this, all jokes aside. I wanted to continue along this vein and maybe the missionaries can help me out. Mm-hmm. There was a film from the early sixties with Raymond St. Jacques called Ch- who, who actually was in black like me for, shows one up for scene. a quick minute, yeah, yeah. for a quick scene called change of mind. Okay. Which is about a white man whose brain gets transplanted into a black man's body. Are you serious? So Raymond St. Jacques plays a black man with a white man's brain. I could not find a copy of it anywhere. I've never heard of this. I'd never. I was just put po- because like I said. Oh, this, it's not
0: even early 60s. Uh, it's,
1: it's What's that? 70 what? 1969. Yeah, I was about to say, okay. Anyway, could not find it. Oh wow! We we have to find this movie. Well, it's also a science fiction film, so we might have it for um, what month do we do Octavia? April. Octavia April, as well. Do you know who did the music
0: for this movie?
1: No. and Now you're just gonna make me want to see it more, like Herbie Hancock, like Duke Duke Ellington. Ellington. Did Duke Ellington do the music for *Change of Yes. You know, I've been trying to figure out how to watch *Anatomy of a Murder* on this show for three years. <laughs> really like anatomy of a murder i just really like the duke ellington music
0: yeah yeah it's
1: really cool and i like the opening oh wow this is a this is a
0: doesn't that look crazy wow raymond st jacques susan oliver yeah
1: leslie nielsen yeah i wonder if he plays the white guy so missionaries if if someone can find us a print of change of mind with raymond st jacques let us know hmm So I quite honestly did not know what I was going to choose for next week. Okay. But then in the letters, and I forget which missionary mentioned it. Somebody mentioned, Norman, is that you? Oh, yeah. With Red Fox. Yeah. All right. Which has come up. A couple of times. Which we've, you see references to it. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it. Me neither. I actually had never even heard of it Mm. outside of it being referenced as, a box office bomb that Red Fox was in. Mm-hmm. Like usually, it comes up when they talk about him on the decline, right after Sanford and Son. But someone name checked it. It's from 1976. It's Red Fox, Pearl Bailey, and Tamara Dobson are in it. It's it's got to raise my spirits a little so. I hope so. I hope so too. <laughs> so we're going to 1976. Norman is at you. Starring Red Fox and Pearl Bailey.
0: I believe this this is his only feature I, film lead.
1: I, I think it is. Yeah. Because yeah,
0: this was at the height of San and Sanford. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or Right after Sanford. Yeah. And again, we'll
1: full disclaimer, I know nothing about this film. I suspect looking at the description and Thinking it's 1976, it's going to be highly homophobic. Oh yes, yes. Uh, well,
0: it's Red Fox in a movie
1: and Unleashed, and his son is gay. Yes, yes. I don't know if we're going to show a double bill of Moonlighting and So, Norman's. so th- this Moonlight. is what you choose to get your kicks. <laughs> this is what you choose to get. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Oh, that is terrible when you say it like that. <laughs> Maybe we should do Five on the Black Hand side. <laughs> is it too late to change? No. <laughs> no. I already bought it on
0: Amazon. All right.
1: Norman Is, is that, that you? I've been meaning to watch Five on the Black Hand side for the past three years, too. Me too. That's my, that's sort of my you habit. You kind of keep putting this- I you I keep putting that, it yeah, the movies off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Five on the black hand side has been and that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. You're like, No. Uh. Like, it. I'll say I'm going to do five on the black hand side, and then you'll pick something that takes me somewhere else. Right. It, that's what
0: happens. That's what happens. So, all right.
1: Okay. Sure, you don't want to do five on the black hand side? No. Said, like, now you made me feel like I don't want to no. do something homophobic and crazy. No, even. now I want to know. Now Norman we got to watch. You. Now we got to watch Norman Is That You? Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry, I'm I'm not on the way. Because I looked for stuff in the fifties and sixties and it's all pretty dour. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it's absolutely sucked to be black <laughs> in the movies in the sixties. At least to be like a, a, a lead in it. Yes, you're right. Oh my goodness. You're right. You're Gracious. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I have a funny feeling somewhere on this Wayback Machine I'm going to stop at a Tarzan movie or something. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs>
1: like, is it a threat of lynching through everything? <laughs> like, is he always reckless all white women? Alright, we gotta get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting we say
1: we'll see you when it's time to meet again.